Welcome to today's episode of Hellenic Polytheism 101, where I will be discussing some of the ways of worship, including rituals you can do, offerings you can make, and ways to make offerings and have altars, even as a closeted worshiper. Since a lot of us are coming into this religion from other religions, and some of my listeners may not be fully out to family members as, partic- as practitioners, and since I've been there and done that, I've got some other ways to hide in the open some of the religious practices that you may not be able to have open now. There are also ways around dorm rules of no smoke or candles, ways to give offerings when you're at rock bottom, and ways to include daily worship into your lives as they are now. So, first let's start with offerings. As you know, there are a lot of deities, and they can be classified into basically two main categories when it comes to offerings, the Uranic and the Chthonic deities. As I've mentioned before, Chthonic deities are deities of the earth, people that are connected to the earth. And their offerings tend to be libation pours and offerings that are left on the ground or put outside. Some of these deities, like Hades and Persephone, as king and queen of the underworld, are Chthonic. Offerings for gods connected to the earth, like Hermes and his psychopop aspect, these are the libations that are poured on the ground. They can include water, wine, and other drinks. I've even seen people who have a UPG, or unverified personal gnosis, of Hermes appreciating Red Bull because of the whole gives you wings ad remind people of him, because wings are on the ankles where the Winged sandals are at for Hermes. Food offerings are often also placed on the ground for those deities, and usually placed outside on the ground. In my house, we have a tree stump that has been there since we've moved in, and it's next to this huge bush, which is next to a really nice tree, and it's kind of hidden. It's very flat top, so it makes a very nice outdoor altar. If you can, I'd like you to try to find something like that where you live, or where you work, for Chthonic deities. A clearing in the park, a quiet place near nature, a tree in the apartment complex you live in or near, anywhere that's outside and not likely to be easily accessed by a dog or cat going for a walk. Also, try to make sure the offering is not fatal to outdoor animals like birds. So, nothing with glitter in it, nothing with plastic wrap, nothing that's going to be, you know, damaged to the other animals. Because part of the whole offerings for Chthonic deities is giving to the earth and to nature. And that does mean that those offerings aren't going to be magically disappeared. They're going to be eaten by the wild animals in the area. In my yard for these offerings, that means making sure that the rabbits and raccoons and possums and armadillos and squirrels will be okay with it. Often, that means that these offerings are just pieces of fruit or homemade breads, and sometimes nuts. That's about all I can really leave out there. Libation pouring doesn't need to be a lot either. A small amount spilled on the ground is all I ever really do. Now, for Uranic deities, or heavenly deities, offerings are often burned or sent up towards the heavens or left on an indoor altar. And these offerings can be pretty much anything, from bread and wine, honey and juice, soda, chocolate, candies, Cereal, grain, seeds, legumes, seashells, coins, ashes from incense, various herbs, corn, if you happen to live near, you know, where I do, where cornfields are nearby, and you take a couple pieces, um, fresh fruit, fresh veggies, even dried fruit, dried veggies, 
wine poured into a cup, dried roses or flowers or pictures or rocks that you happen to have found outside that remind you of things or pretty earrings or anything like that. That These are all things that I just named while looking at my own personal altar. Um, <laughs> so you can put anything really on these altars. I tend to offer incense burnings on a daily basis or candle burnings. I have a small cone incense burner and I get them fairly cheaply at a smoke shop near where I work and try to burn at least one cone or burn a candle for about 10 minutes a day. I've also put those long burning candles, the ones in the nice glass jars that can burn for days or weeks really on the altar and use those as offerings with the various scents. Now, one of the hardest parts that comes with finding a way to give offerings happens when you can't leave them in an altar or take the time to pour them on the ground as part of a ritual offerings. I don't know how many people listening to or reading this are open about their religion in their life, and I don't know how many of them can be open. It can be hard, especially if you still live with family that are not okay with you being anything other than the religion that they want you to be. For a little bit there, I was living in that situation. So, from one previously closeted Hellenic polytheist to others, here are some offering ideas that you can do. When you eat a meal, you can set some aside and not eat it, then throw it away at the end of the meal. You can leave offerings on the ground, at work, or at school, or at a gas station, or anywhere away from the house. You can pour libations when you step outside for morning coffee. You can pour out libations as you walk outside to take the trash out. For altars, you can keep pocket altars, small items stuck in an Altoids or old mint tin. You can do digital altars, like Pinterest boards titled Athena Fields and say it's a Percy Jackson fan board if somebody asks. You can have side blocks for digital altars. You can keep prayers and hymns on documents titled History Homework and say that they're for research for a class project or if you're not in school you can enroll in some of the massive open online courses like with edX and say that you're doing things for those classes. There are a lot of options and the theory appreciate everything you do. Now Outside of offerings, the most common way to worship are prayers and hymns, which we talked about a little while ago. And what we didn't talk about, though, was how to include those prayers and hymns in rituals. This is where we're going to get into the meat of this worship guide. There are many types of rituals that are able to be included in daily life, even for people who have to hide their religion. While most of the rituals are done on holidays, like Halloween, theogamia, nomania, and more. For the most part, these rituals tend to follow the same basic outline. You start with cleansing, which can include anything from a full-blown ritual bathing to something as simple as washing your hands. In my practice, that includes washing my hands and the area for the ritual with the kernips water, which is very easy to make, at least in my practice. When I get clean water, light a sage bundle, and then extinguish the sage in the clean water hole, asking it and you know, then I ask for it to be blessed. The main requirement for kernips water is that it be clean water, not stagnant water that's been sitting around for a while. Some people add in the extinguishing of lighted herbs. Some people add in a whole prayer. Some people have a whole full-blown deal that they do with it. So it's up to you to choose your own way. After the cleansing, you should prepare the ritual space. Mostly, this means making sure it's free of any mess and ensuring that everything you'll need is on hand because you don't want to have to stop in the middle of it to go grab something. So make sure everything you want is, you know, everything you want at hand is actually there. 
Next, you'll want to light the hearth fire, which is usually just lighting some sort of fire while saying a hymn or prayer to Hestia. In my house, we cannot have an eternal flame. I have cats, I have dogs, and I have a train that has knocked over you know, trains that go by that have literally opened cabinets and had things fall out and break. So we, we can't do a whole perpetual fire thing. Some people can. I mean, you know, some of us don't even have a gas stove, or some of us have a fireplace. It's up to you. So my flames for rituals are usually unscented candles. You can do the same. If you can't do candles, you can get those little electrical candles and use that. Next, place the offerings. This can include plating anything, getting offerings poured into cups and setting them where they're supposed to be, and putting them in the seat that you want them or scooting them over to the side of your plate where they're, you know, so you know, hey, this is offering real fast. Next, open the ritual with the opening hymns or prayers. Then you'll do the ritual. You'll say the hymns you want to say. You'll pour the libations you want to pour. You'll do the whole ritual steps. Finally, close it up with a closing prayer. Now, the last step is very important, and I've never seen it listed on any list for rituals. Clean up after yourself. Ensure fires are no longer burning. Clean up any ashes from any incense. Clear any plates. Clear any cups. Pick up and put away any ritual tools like rope that was used in hand fastings and weddings. Just, in general, clean up the area. That's a step I often find overlooked in ritual planning sections that I feel is very important to make, you know, to write down and make sure it's on the list. So, for a closeted worshiper and for other worshipers, you may be looking at this list and going, yeah, no, that's way too complicated. So, I'm going to walk you through my ritual for Nomania as it is coming up very soon. Since Nomania falls on the new moon, and that's really really close. First, I get my cooking done. On this day, we usually like to go for a good home-cooked meal. However, since pretty much all dinners made in the home are home-cooked, we try to make this one a little bit more special. We try to make freshly made bread, often used in my bread maker, but if we can't get it to that on time, I'll also stop by my local grocery store where they have bread that, in, you know, they have a little bakery that includes fresh bread sections. You can also get those frozen bread rolls that need to be proofed and then cooked in the oven if you'd rather do that and don't want to make the dough yourself. The meal will be something more labor intensive, like roast beef or a whole bird, like a chicken or turkey, or slow cooked soup or chili. Basically, something that can take all day to get it done. Also, they tend to be things that you chop, make, stick, and then shove into the oven or slow cooker for like 12 hours while you go do other stuff. I will also make honey cakes for dessert as well. Once it is done and it's getting close to dinner time, I will make the turnips water. I will get the water in a small bowl, light sage, and then extinguish the sage in the bowl of water. I will pray, asking the theoid to bless the water. Then I will wipe the table in the clean water and dry it off with paper towel. I will set the place settings for everyone, including an extra set at the end of the table. Food will be served and set on the plate with rolls or bread in the middle and the honey cakes set on the stove under plastic wrap to keep Luke, our Great Dane, from jumping up and snatching things. Once everyone is seated, then we start. You'll light an unscented yellow candle, since yellow is associated with the Agathos demon, the household spirit, and nominee is about the household spirits and household gods. I'll pray to Hermes, to Zeus, to Hecate, to Apollo, and to Hestia, the household gods. 
I don't always use the same hymns or prayers, but I will usually have what I want to say written out or sitting on my phone screen because I'm never going to be able to memorize all that. After the prayers, we'll eat. When the meal is finished, we'll get the honey cakes out and lay one on the extra place setting and finish those for dessert. Once that's done, I will take the extra plate out front and set the food on the outdoor altar. I'll pray again for whatever I feel we need in the coming month, and I'll leave the food outside and then go inside and clean up. Once the candle is extinguished at the end of all the cleaning up, it signals the end of the ritual. For the most part, it looks like a regular family dinner with some extra pears and stuff thrown in there. If you were to do something like this while not being able to be open about the religion, you could volunteer to make dinner that night. Wash your hands before, set aside some of the food in the corner of the plate, say the prayers in your head, eat all the food on the plate if you have to, and don't if you can't, and or if you can get away with it, and then pour some water out of a water bottle when I go outside to take out the trash or walk the dog or have coffee or, you know, like my mom, go out and have a cigarette. The ritual doesn't have to look like a ritual to someone on the outside looking in. It can all be done in your head. Now, pretty much all of my rituals look like that, with special emphasis being placed on the deity in question. Like for theogamia, that's less of a household dinner and more of a standing recital of prayers and offering for Hera and Zeus at the altar. Each separate holiday has its own little rituals built in, but none of them tend to get very complicated. That's the cool part about Hellenic polytheism. Your worship can be included in your daily life with a few very simple changes. Rituals do not need to be full-blown events if they can't be, or if you don't need them to be. Prayers can be said in our head. Altars can be kept in a digital or pocket mint tin format. Offerings can be as simple as saying, for Hermes, on your head before splashing a spot of Red Bull on the ground, or lighting a candle on your bedside table. Your worship, your rituals, don't have to be huge, complicated things. I have seen a lot of people online do things like, well, I can't do this big, complicated thing. You don't have to. <coughs> it can be simple, and it can be really easy. Simple tasks can be considered a ritual or a devotional act. So your worship can be as simple or as complicated as you can have it be. Now, I know this was a mostly short episode, and I want to thank you all for listening. As usual, transcripts can be found at goddessdoeswitchery.tumblr.com under the tag transcripts or transcript, along with the sources used. In this episode, the sources were one of my books called Hellenic Polytheism, Household Worship, and the Hellenian calendar from last week's episode. <coughs> you can also direct any questions or requests for episode there. Now, as of now, I've covered all of the basic 101 how to start out parts of Hellenic polytheism. As I discussed back in my introduction, the next step will be a deeper dive into the separate theoi and separate issues. The next episode on January 24th will be my first deep dive, and I'm going to be starting with Hermes. That episode will cover his origins, myths around him, family connections, ways to worship, some of his symbols, some of my favorite hymns for him, hymns I've written for him, and epithets. If you have any questions or anything you'd like to see in that episode, let me know by January 20th and I will include it in there. After that, you guys can also send in any requests 
for other episodes. I'd be more than happy to cover anything that you guys feel wasn't covered in the 101 stuff that you think should have been or anything that you'd that you want a deeper dive for. From here on out, it's going to be less 101 and more deeper dive. Take a look at this. Let's look more closely at this issue that we already covered. Stuff like that. So you guys can send in requests and we can work from there. So send me requests. I'd be more than happy to hear them. And until January 28th, hopefully you guys have a good week. Thank you.